When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, welcome in everybody to a special edition of Future Brew. We're posting it a little later than usual, but that is because we are going to recap the early signing period for the 2020 class on this edition of Future Brew. So buckle in. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about, uh, not only for this, but uh, we will talk about the future for the traditional February signing period as well. My name is Vaughn Lozon. Uh, joining me today, as always, John Simmons has uh, recovered from the tickle in his throat that was uh, giving him some issues in the last edition of Future Brew. John, you are uh, feeling better. You sound great. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. It's an exciting day. More exciting than most signing days under Harbaugh. So lots of stuff to keep up with. Tons of stuff to keep up with. And uh, in, in the midst of me uh, starting a brand new job <laughs> this week, uh, full-time job, uh, along with this, it was a little bit difficult for me personally to keep up with all of this stuff. But I am very thankful and grateful that uh, John and the rest of the team at Mason Brew held down the fort as all of this madness got underway Pretty early in the morning, got it kicked off uh, around 7.15. The first early signed player was Alessandro Lorenzetti, the three-star offensive lineman. And uh, it it just kept going from there. Marlon Klein got got his in. CJ Stokes got his in. Uh, And so on and so forth. Uh, All the big names as well. What I want to really focus on now, I suppose, to begin our podcast, all the kind of stuff that really made today special. And obviously, we knew that, uh, you know, guys like um, Colson Loveland, for example, guys like Zeke Barry, Mason Graham, like they were going to sign. It, it, there was never, never any doubt that those guys were going to sign their letter of intent when they came in on the Michigan football Twitter page. It was like, okay, good. It's finally official. That is, you know, set in stone, no problems. It was a a very expected occurrence. So let's talk about some of the things that happened today that it it still may have been expected, but these kids weren't necessarily committed uh, until today. So let's start off, John, talking about Amorian Walker, because we've talked about him quite a bit. Um, over the last few months on Future Brew and on Maze and Brew, 
Uh.com. He was a three-star wide receiver committed to Notre Dame and uh, ended up flipping, ended up signing with the Wolverines today. He's from the state of Louisiana. Um, like I said, he was committed to Notre Dame, had been since uh, March. So he had been committed for uh, a really, really long time now. Uh, obviously, was very open with all of the other schools that he was communicating with and visiting. And he took a, a late visit to Mississippi State as well, uh, also visited Alabama. So even though he was committed, and I am doing air quotes right now, uh, he wasn't really truly committed to Notre Dame. Um, so he ended up flipping, signing with Michigan. And uh, let's just throw Darius Clemens into the mix as well, since that is the same position, John. Um, I, <laughs> I'm really excited about this one, man. And I, I think you probably all know, if you're familiar with this program, and uh, John, I'm sure you remember me hyping up Darius Clemens over the summer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, man, do I love this kid. It's 6'3", 205 pounds, uh, somehow is not a top 100 player still, which months ago, I was clamoring for him to go up in the rankings, even though he's still a four-star, he's still a highly ranked kid. I think he should be higher than where he's at right now. But uh, you just cannot teach that size and you cannot teach the speed of uh, that 40 time that he has. I want to say it was like 4.37 is what he was clocked at last year. So again, you can't teach that. And that is something that is, uh, it, it was really needed in this class for Michigan before today, because they only had one wide receiver committed. Uh, and that was Tyler Morris at uh, six foot. So uh, to add the size and the speed to that wide receiver room uh, at the very last moment, John, I think Michigan absolutely hit a grand slam with both these guys being able to get them both on board, both signed, both sealed and both delivered. This was just an absolutely monster way uh, to finish the wide receiver recruiting for this class. Yeah, I think they really flipped what was a weakness into a strength there. Um, They only had one guy committed before, but now they they have three guys that they really think highly of. Um, They've been after Walker for months and months. It was a really strange thing where everyone kind of thought or knew he was going to flip, but he just stayed committed the whole time. And then waited until the very last day to to finally do it um so that was great you know he has positional versatility too he could play uh as defensive back but i'm sure we'll talk about that too but michigan's defensive back class is pretty loaded um so i think he's definitely needed over there at the wide receiver room more and then yeah clemens is just an absolute stud ran a 437 time 40 that's verified at 63 is just crazy combination that you don't see often um you know just picture roman wilson running but you know like five inches taller and that's what you have with clemens so i think that's a really good sign and i don't think uh michigan gets clemens or a lot of these guys on signing day without the the last uh two weeks of the football season they had so it just kind of shows you how much things can change with a really good season winning cures everything. And yeah, today really proved that because I think you're right. I I think if Michigan didn't finish the season the way that they did, 
with beating Ohio State, winning a Big Ten championship, getting to the college football playoff, you probably don't see Darius Clemens flip to Michigan. And who knows if Amorian Walker ends up flipping to Michigan. He could have stuck with Notre Dame and or, or ended up going somewhere else. Like he was entertaining Alabama for a while. He visited Mississippi State. I want to say he made another visit as well. He was kind of just all over the place. Uh, so perhaps he doesn't end up committing to Michigan if Michigan doesn't end up uh, doing all of those things that they did at the end of the year. So you're right. I, I think it was absolutely huge. And uh, this is kind of a reason why winning uh, <laughs> winning cures all. I mean, you see it. I mean, this is the proof here. This is what Michigan fans have been waiting for for so long. Uh, so let's move on because I think another instance where winning uh, the Big Ten helped Michigan uh, is with Keon Sab, the four-star safety uh, who played his high school ball down at IMG Academy in Florida. This was a, a very interesting recruitment as well. Michigan had been recruiting him for so long at this point. Uh, it goes back to probably the winter of last year uh, when they got their new defensive coaches in. And uh, they had got him uh, highly interested in Michigan. He ended up committing to Clemson. And obviously Clemson had their positional coaches um, or uh, assistant coaches, I should say, uh, exit uh, that program. And Brent Venables, now being the head coach of Oklahoma, ended up helping Michigan in this one. Uh, that is for mo- uh, mostly um, it, it, you know, it, when it comes to winning and everything like that, like that helps. This one, I really think it was kind of locked in when Brent Venables ended up leaving for Oklahoma. But uh, another really good prospect. I really liked him. He was a five-star at one point, um, is now a four-star prospect on uh, the 24-7 sports composite. Um, is still really, really good. Top 100 guy. Uh, he's listed at 6'2", 200 pounds. So he's going to fit in really nicely with what they already had uh, with Zeke Barry and uh, all the other defensive backs that they have in this class. It's just an insane class uh, with the corners and safeties uh, as opposed to what they had last year. But again, John, I mean, uh, you can't go wrong getting a uh, top 100 guy to end up committing and signing to you on uh, the first day of the early signing period. I really like Sam, and I think he brings a versatile skill set to Ann Arbor, what say you, my friend? Yeah, definitely. He Michigan's been recruiting him for so long. I kind of think of him as like two different prospects. You know, there's the old image of him I had when he was playing back in New Jersey and was the five star. And, you know, I thought Michigan's connections with the state, you know, with uh, the coaches uh, there were going to help them get him. And uh, but then, you know, he committed to Clemson. Michigan got basically a whole new staff and then it turned into uh, he went to IMG and it was just, you know, Michigan's performance on the field and Brent Venables leaving is what caused him to go there. Um, So he's just been through it all here with Michigan. And I think, uh, you know, it was really good job by the staff to go through that transition and still maintain the level of contact they needed. Um, I think they've been, lurking for a while they're always in the back of his mind you know when he before he committed in like June he took a pretty surprising uh midweek official to Ann Arbor that no one was really expecting so I think he was always really high on Michigan um but 
I think it just, you know, the end of the season and the kind of disarray at Clemson really pushed it towards Michigan's edge. Yeah, agreed. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm with you because they have been recruiting him for a really, really long time. And when, when it comes to recruits like that, where, you, where you're recruiting them for a while and then they end up committing somewhere else. And then, you know, this it kind of instance happens where he decommits and ends up at Michigan. You're kind of you're right. It, it kind of does seem like two recruitments all in one and uh, kind of seemed that way with Darius Clemens for me as well, because he kind of just disappeared for so long and then ended up making his way to Ann Arbor, uh, very similar to Keon Sab in that area. But um I just want to talk about the defensive backs in this class real quick, John, because it, it is incredible uh, what they were able to do here. Obviously, they got Will Johnson uh, to sign his letter of intent and then joining him at safety, like I mentioned, uh, Zeke Barry. But then you got Damani Dent as well, who was a potential flip candidate. He was also considering at the end of the day, Miami and then also Florida. So to be able to keep him in the class was uh, very essential to what they want to do uh, in the near future with their secondary. Um, so obviously Keon Sab joining all of those guys. And then also Miles Pollard, who is, in my opinion, one of the more underrated players in this class. So really compared to what they did last year at defensive back, um, it, it's just a night and day difference, obviously, with the way that Rod Moore played as a true freshman, very nice and probably has a very bright future um, on this team. And then obviously you also had uh, Jane McBurrows who played in a couple games here and there uh, didn't really flash, but probably will play more uh, next season as well. Um, but I kind of anticipate a few of these guys getting in their true freshman season uh, Will Johnson, obviously, I, I think he'll he'll have a spot somewhere. Um, but you would imagine maybe a Zeke Barry, maybe a Keon Sab, um, maybe even a Miles Pollard. I mean, some of these guys have that potential to play their true freshman season. Um, it, these guys are just clearly, um, in, in my opinion, at least, uh, it, it's the best positional unit that they have in this class. I, I don't think that's too much of a hot take, but you can uh, give your opinion if you differ from mine, John, but I, I'm really impressed by this class uh, with corners and safeties. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. Uh, and Michigan really needed this class after only taking McBurrows and Rod Moore last year, like you talked about. I think Moore has already proven to be a hit, but you know, you just need the the numbers in the room and shout out to Ron Bellamy for coming in and just kind of killing it in the cycle this year. You look at the, primary recruiters for these defensive backs and you know Sab, Barry, Cody Jones, Amoran Walker who's a wide receiver but the Louisiana connection, Damani Dent, he's you know the primary recruiter for all of them and then the secondary recruiter for Will Johnson and Miles Pollard and a few more. So, you know, he really had a hand on both sides of the ball getting in these uh studs to kind of restock the safety room especially. And I think they're going to be loaded back there for uh, next several years now. Another place where they'll also be stocked and loaded for the foreseeable future is the quarterback position. And Michigan, maybe to the surprise of some people, ended up flipping a quarterback uh, from Virginia Tech uh, this uh, early signing period here. 
Um, I certainly wasn't expecting them to end up flipping him, uh, but then the buzz kind of came uh, Wednesday night that it could end up happening. And that is from a three-star quarterback, Alex Orgy, who uh, Jim Harbaugh recently on, <laughs> I, I guess this was on the, uh, uh, the uh, podcast with John Jansen that they do on uh, mgoblue.com. He uh, Harbaugh had said that he is like Herschel Walker playing quarterback. So if that's the case, then you've got yourself uh, the number one prospect of all time. Uh, <laughs> if that ends up coming to fruition, but uh, so he ended up flipping from Virginia tech um, today and uh, he is a uh, pretty talented, pretty versatile uh, at the quarterback position. He plays in Texas. He had uh, uh, completed 127 passes uh, for 2,056 yards, 28 touchdowns, also ran for 23 touchdowns, 1,187 yards rushing. So at 6'2", 226, he, again, is like a versatile quarterback. If it doesn't work out at QB, though, uh, it, it could end up working out on the defensive side of the ball, like what they did with Michael Barrett. When he was in high school, he played all over the place, mainly quarterback, and uh, ended up uh, converting him to the linebacker position, which uh, in your evaluation here, John, in your story that you wrote about him on mazenbrew.com, you kind of said the same thing, that he um, linebacker would be the most realistic spot for him if he ends up flipping over uh, to a different position. And uh, uh, you say that he has the size that and uh, his older brothers played linebacker and safety at Vanderbilt so that definitely helps having that uh, connection as well so what do you like about him and the quarterback position in general with him and Jaden Denigal also signing his letter of intent to Michigan today yeah I think when you see Michigan trying to take a second quarterback they wanted to uh, you know kind of switch up the skill set and get a guy who's more of a dual threat uh, type player. And uh, Orja is definitely that. He had over a thousand yards rushing um, and he also uh, could switch to a different position if it doesn't work out. Um, you know, you see a dual threat quarterback and think, you know, oh, if he doesn't play quarterback, it'll probably be a uh, running back or wide receiver or something. But no, he's, there's some analysts that think he would be a four-star linebacker as well. So I haven't seen any tape on how he plays on defense um but his offensive film's pretty good i was watching it to see how he runs you know how quick he is but it was like four minutes of deep touchdown passes before we even got to like the first run minus like a slow motion hurdle at the goal line so um i do think he likes to focus on his passing uh and i think he has probably a higher ceiling than even Jaden denigal in the class so uh it'll be Interesting one to see how it plays out on um, sandwich between hopefully two five stars. If Michigan lands Dante Moore uh, in the 23 class. Um, so there, there's a lot of uh, battle that's going to have to play out here and probably some attrition. So, but no one expected Cade McNamara to be the starter either when he was signed. So you never know. You truly do never know when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. There obviously there's going to be attrition, in today's day and age with the transfer portal, that's inevitable. I agree, though. I think that he does bring a certain skill set that Jane Denigal doesn't. Denigal's at 6'4", 215. Uh, Orgy at 6'2", 226. 
So uh, clearly a height and weight differential there. Jane Denigal being more of a pure pocket passer. He can obviously be mobile when he has to be, but that's not his his best skill set. Kind of like what Cade McNamara brings to the table. He can be mobile, but that's definitely not one of his stronger assets in the passing game at the quarterback position. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. I, I kind of like them um, continuing to recruit him and end up taking a second quarterback. Um, it, it really shows that they're committed to that, um, kind of getting both of those kinds of players in the program. And obviously, like I just mentioned with the transfer portal, it's better to have more guys than not because, um, you know, if right now, for example, if McNamara goes down, obviously a McCarthy, but you don't really have a whole lot behind him. So depth is key at the quarterback position. That is for sure. Let's move on to the defensive line because it was quite the interesting day for Michigan at the defensive line position as well. It all started uh, pretty early in the morning, around nine o'clock or so, when uh, three-star defensive lineman Ethan Burke, who was committed to Michigan, ended up flipping over to Texas, uh, a program that offered him, I want to say it was the day before the early signing period started. Uh, so with him being a kid from Texas, and I want to say he was specifically from uh, Austin. I don't have it pulled up in front of me right here. Um, but it's kind of hard to to deny your hometown uh, program when they offer you last second. You, you know, you get the chance to stay at home, play for a big time program like Texas uh, in the Big 12. And then maybe you move over to the SEC by the time that uh, um, that by that happens. So uh, that would be an interesting thing for him as well. So honestly, I can't blame him for wanting to flip over to Texas just because of that. Um, it's still a good football program, even though they've been a little down in the dumps the last few seasons. Um, so being a kid from Austin, you probably rooted for Texas growing up. Um, you know, you just flip it over to the other side. If it was a kid from um, the Metro Detroit area, and was offered by Michigan last second, and he was committed to another big-time program. He ended up flipping to Michigan. You'd, you would probably be excited about it. In this instance, you're probably not excited about it because he did have potential. Um, he was you know, at 6'7", 225, so he certainly had the length, the athleticism for that edge spot. Uh, so it's unfortunate as a uh, Michigan recruiting fan to see it, uh, but it, in my mind, at least, John, I, I think you can kind of understand where he's coming from. Yeah, it's a bummer, uh, you know, especially because Texas had so many D-line commits. I think they had seven in their class, but the hometown poll is just too much to overcome sometimes. And it's really just disappointing that Michigan's really only left with one edge prospect in the class, and it's Cavante Henry, who could very likely flip to uh, – Washington at any moment since he's been signed today. So you'd think after a season with, you know, the Heisman candidate and two probable first round picks at defensive end, you'd be able to get some guys there. But um, just due to unfortunate circumstances, they couldn't uh, land as many as they could. But I do expect them to hit that uh, position hard in 23 and be able to land some, uh, you know, really high highly ranked players because of their track record of that position. 
Yeah, I would expect so too. I, I don't think it's going to be too detrimental at the end of the day. Um, certainly you, you hate to see it happen just because like I mentioned, I, I liked his potential at least um, with, with him being at six, seven, two twenty-five. I mean, you, and that's, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that is just the, the potential for um, his body to develop uh, is, is pretty insane. I'm, I'm curious to see how it works out for him at Texas. And I, I do genuinely wish him the best uh, as I'm sure we all do. I would hope at least, uh, but another defensive line prospect in this class who ended up uh, committing elsewhere, he didn't flip. He just ended up committing elsewhere uh, is Dion Walker, who was a, a name who we've brought up time and time again in this 2022 class from Cast Tech at 6'6", 350. Um, man, I mean, I mean, he was considered a Michigan lean for months. He was going on guys, Instagrams, commenting on him, saying, come join the fam, you know, things along those lines. I'm not being verbatim right now, but those are the types of things that he was pitching to recruits to go to Michigan with him. And uh, at the end of the day, he never ended up committing to Michigan. Um, He could have had a silent verbal commitment at some point, but he was never public with any kind of commitment to the University of Michigan. So he ended up committing and signing with Kentucky this morning, not super long after Ethan Burke decommitted, flipped to Texas. So this one is a real bummer for me, John. I, I think he's got loads of potential on both sides of the ball. I think if it didn't work out on defense, he still would have been a uh, high enough prospect on the offensive line that you could probably make it work. So I'm pretty bummed about this one. Um, you know, this was a guy that they had been recruiting for a very, very, very long time. So when that kind of stuff happens, it's it's just super unfortunate. You got to just take the loss and move on. Yeah, it's it's a bummer, especially after Michigan made all those moves to shore up their in-state recruiting, you know, getting uh, especially Steve Klingscale, who was the primary recruiter for Walker when he's at Kentucky, you know, he switches over to Michigan. You think that's a slam dunk and he still ends up in Kentucky. You know, sometimes guys just want to leave their local area and, you know, the allure of the SEC is uh, strong. So uh, in the, in the end, even after there's some late optimism for Michigan, uh, they couldn't pull it off. Um, I still like Michigan's defensive line class. They got top 100 guy Derek Moore today. They have Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant, who I think uh, are still underranked on the composite. And I think they're going to be major, major contributors for this team. So it's still a good class overall. And that definitely lessens the blow. But you'd still like to get as many top guys that you want from your local footprint, too. Yeah, it certainly helps with the in-state recruiting when you get a guy like that from a program that you've historically recruited pretty well at Kaz Tech, but this Deion Walker recruitment was one to remember, that is for sure. So we'll see how he ends up doing in the SEC with Kentucky. Uh, wish him well down there as well. And you alluded to Derek Moore, and we'll move right on to him because this was a great pickup for Michigan. It wasn't all bad news on the defensive line for the Wolverines because Derek Moore, he's a top 100 player. Um, he ended up signing with Michigan today. He was originally committed to Oklahoma and uh, obviously 
the coaching departure from Lincoln Riley ended up making him reopen his recruitment. That's when he started peeking around. He visited Ole Miss, visited Michigan, and uh, it was pretty much down to those two schools at the end of the day, ended up choosing Michigan. Um, it, it definitely helps uh, or helped Michigan in this recruitment was the relationship that they have with St. Francis Academy, which is where Moore goes to high school. And uh, obviously Biff Pogey being on Michigan staff currently um, helped them out also uh, also was a huge or almost was a huge detriment, I should say, to Michigan's chances of landing him uh, just because of uh, the rule uh, with this recruiting that it, it I, I want to say it, it makes a program not be able to sign any players uh, from a team if they end up hiring a, a coach from that school. Uh, I want to say it dates back like two years or something like that. Correct me if I'm wrong there, John. Um, but that almost uh, disallowed him from going to Michigan, uh, but they were able to clear that from the NCAA uh, clearly because he ended up signing with Michigan. So he wouldn't have done that if uh, he couldn't. So he is listed at 6'4", 250. Uh, he is ranked number 79 on the composite. You'd love to see top 100 players uh, anytime you can get them. So uh, John, uh, another really good pickup here for Michigan. Uh, obviously need a guy like him in the class, uh, especially with Ethan Burke flipping and uh, uh, Walker ended up going elsewhere. Uh, he, he just is another good player along the defensive line uh, for this staff and a, a guy that they can kind of kind of put in a different a couple different spots, in my opinion. So what, what do you think about Derek Moore signing with Michigan and him as a player? Yeah, I think it's an awesome uh, addition to the class. And I think it's another good break that fell Michigan's way with Lincoln Riley leaving for USC. Um, they kind of double dip by getting Sab when, or getting more when Riley leaves for Oklahoma and getting Sab when Venables leaves for Oklahoma. Sorry, I messed that all up. But you, I, I get what change. you're saying. But yeah, it's, it's just a big chain reaction. Coaches are pretty much in the transfer portal too, so we, yeah. we get it. <laughs> and, and Michigan's just going along plucking kids that they need um, it, because, you know, shockingly they have the consistency this year after last cycle. You know, the big knock was what's Harbaugh going to do? He had a lower buyout. He didn't sign an extension for a while. And, you know, fast forward a year later, and they're one of the most stable programs in the country. They have you know, a Bros Award winner that's sticking around after interviewing uh, a couple places and so far he hasn't left yet, you know. Uh, so I think that's uh, this recruitment is kind of a good uh, indicator of that and shows that Michigan's a destination for these guys and having Biff Pogey on staff definitely helps. Um, and it was finally a relief to see the NCAA not uh, – you know, something work for Michigan in regards to the NCAA red tape instead of going against them. Um, so, you know, you'd like it, it's a good sign, I think, for the future. Yeah, you would think that it's or at least hope that it's a, a good omen uh, for for the future of the recruiting, because, yeah, I mean, it seems like with most of these things, it goes against Michigan. But this is one that ended up playing out in their favor. And thankfully, because he's a great player. And uh, like you said, I mean, the, the fact that Michigan has been able to kind of poach these programs that have had coaches leave for other schools, it's just it's super nice because they probably wouldn't have landed Darius Clements. 
had Mario Cristobal not left Oregon. Uh, Morgan Walker, he had a coach leave as well with Brian Kelly going to LSU. Um, I mean, just so many coaches leaving right before signing day that ended up being such a huge factor in a lot of these kids' decisions and a huge factor for why Michigan uh, now holds a top 10 class in 2022. They're currently at number nine with all of their signed players, uh, number three in the Big Ten. Uh, they have just completely turned it around uh, from where they were at uh, just a few weeks ago, even. Um, and like I said, winning kind of cures all of that. So and and coaches leaving for other positions as well. That also helps, too. Um, John, any other final thoughts on any of these guys before we uh, move on uh, in our uh, recruiting podcast here? Nope. Excellent. So we will uh, just take a quick break. And uh, on the flip side, we are going to talk about uh, the February signing period, what to expect there. And uh, if a currently committed player who did not sign today ends up signing with Michigan in February. So we'll talk about that coming up next. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. And we are back. Thanks for sticking around on Future Brew. As I promised before the break, we are going to finish our podcast today discussing the February signing period, where it used to be the norm for everybody to sign in February, but now with the early signing period, that is kind of taken away the glory of the February signing day. But there are certainly a couple kids in Michigan's class who did not sign and will not sign during this early signing period in December. And uh, it, it's kind of interesting because I don't know if any of, or uh, if either of these guys, I should say, are going to end up in Michigan's 2022 class. Let's just start with Cavante Henry, John, because this is certainly one that has developed uh, very quickly over the last week or two. He is one of the edge rushers in Michigan's class. He's at 6'4", 225 from the state of California. He is a four-star now. He was originally a three-star, but his recruiting rankings have just continued to go up and up and up. So, he is at number 377 overall on the composite right now, 27 at uh, the edge position and number 30 in the state of California. Obviously, um, we talked on the last segment about coaches leaving and how it helped Michigan. This is one where it might hurt Michigan. Courtney Morgan, the um, now former uh, director of recruiting for the University of Michigan football program, he left for Washington. And now it just seems like Washington is in the 
driver's seat to end up landing him. I think they will. I, I think if if Cavante Henry had the doubts uh, today to uh, forego signing during this early signing period and then end up wanting to sign in February to uh, debate this for the next couple months, I, I think it's going to end up being detri- detrimental for Michigan. I think the longer he waits, I think the more likely it is that he signs with Washington. Obviously, his relationship with Courtney Morgan is huge. It was a huge factor for why he ended up committing to Michigan back in June. And I think it's going to be the main reason why he goes to Washington uh, in February. If that's what ends up happening, I I don't have any, you know, intel telling me that's for sure what's going to happen. I'm not like a future teller by any means. This is just my opinion. I think he will end up signing with Washington and uh, Michigan will lose out on a pretty solid prospect here. So want to get your thoughts on this one, John, and uh, what you th- uh, think ends up happening with this recruitment. Yeah, he is he would be a huge loss you know we talked about Burke leaving already and how there's really a lack of edge rushers in the class and Henry has maybe the highest ceiling out of anyone in the country in that regard he really you know rocketed up the rankings this year and was a hell of a find by Courtney Morgan um, but uh, it usually when the player doesn't sign who's committed in the early signing period it's kind of a warning and usually means he's going to leave i I I agree with you that he probably will end up signing with Washington, but I do think this actually helps Michigan because it gives them more time to work with him and kind of assuage any fears he has about, um, you know, having a rough background and wanting to go to a place where he has a strong support system and feels safe. Um, So I think his mind isn't definitively made up yet or else he would have uh, signed today. So I think there's still an opening for Michigan to, you know, convince him to stay in the class but I I do think it'd be really hard for them to overcome that Courtney Morgan connection yeah I don't think they're going to be able to overcome it I don't know man I mean I I feel like and I certainly see where you're coming from with how it might help Michigan I just can't help but feel like it it just hurts Michigan with Courtney Morgan being in his ear in his ear even more saying hey man I mean do you want to go all the way out that way you can stay closer to home you can still get the guidance from me and, and have that relationship and that familiarity. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, from from a complete football program perspective, obviously you would want to play for Michigan. You have uh, the coaches there. You have the success there. Uh, you would be able to get built up to be an NFL draft pick. Uh, at Michigan, at Washington, they're completely starting over with pretty much everything. Uh, so it, it's clear as day that you would want to go to Michigan, but that relationship with Courtney Morgan, it really seems like it's going to be the deciding factor here. And uh, it, it's really going to hurt Michigan. Cause I think he's a hell of a prospect. I think he would have done really well at that uh, David Ojabo position that they have. John, do you know what they call that? Cause I have no idea. No, it, I mean, in a, normal parlance it would just be a defensive end for three four defense or no sorry it would be an outside linebacker but okay no i'm sure they have some term for a dog or rush or whatever yeah (laughs) i i can't keep up with all of the they got like the viper and the jack and the will and the same i mean they've got so much every coach has his own thing yeah i i can't keep up with it honestly and i'm not like a 
football X's and O's guys to begin with. So I, I just, I, I just say linebacker, edge rusher, you know, whatever. Um, so it, regardless, it's going to be a big loss there. What were you going to say, John? I'm saying it confuses everyone because on the all Big Ten list, they have Aiden Hutchinson as an edge and as a yeah. defensive end and Ojabo as a linebacker when they basically play the same position just on different sides. So, More or less. Yeah. yeah. So there, there's some confusion there for sure. Yeah. I, I just, I, I like how 24 seven has it right here with uh, Cavante Henry. It just says edge, which is what he probably will end up doing in college. So it, it's going to be a big loss. Um, if that's what ends up happening, which is what I expect to happen. Let's move on to, an in-state prospect who oddly enough did not end up signing today either. And that is Aaron Alexander, the Belleville prospect listed at six, one, two Oh five was a guy that uh, committed to Michigan back in June. Michigan had evaluated him at a few camps back in the summertime, ended up offering him and he kind of just took that offer and ran with it. Um, it didn't really take a whole lot, lot of time. I think it took maybe a week or so for him to uh, get that offer and then end up committing to Michigan. Didn't really have a ton of other offers in hand. Um, not sure if he's reported any new ones, but he, uh, on his 24 seven page, it has Eastern Illinois and Marshall as the two other, uh, schools who have offered him up to this point. So this is a really weird one, John. I, you know, because right before we came on this podcast, um, you know, I, I had asked about Aaron Alexander if he had ended up signing. Um, you've been a little bit more plugged in than I have today, and you told me that he had not and uh, did a couple quick Twitter and Google searches and stuff like that. It's just odd to me that a guy that was so pro-Michigan in the summertime got evaluated by Michigan, offered by Michigan, um, it had a good workout, I, I think, two good workouts in front of the coaches. They ended up offering him. He took that offer and now he's not signing, um, has not signed yet at the very least. Maybe he ends up signing tomorrow or Friday because the early signing period is a few days, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So he's got some time. Um, but you had mentioned also to me, John, and you can expand on this a little further that the Belleville prospects like miles Rouser, um, four-star safety who was uh, committed to Arkansas also did not end up signing today. So maybe there's some sort of signing ceremony going on that isn't publicly available uh, information. I don't know at this point, uh, but yeah, th- this would be a, a really strange recruiting loss here, John. Uh, well, what do you think about all this? Yeah, it's, it's an odd situation as things with Belleville usually are, especially with Michigan. Um, yeah, it, the two, there's two other like big power five recruits that Belleville has miles Rouser, who was a Michigan commit for a time and was committed to Arkansas. And then Jeremiah Caldwell that was committed to Kentucky for some time. And I'm checking right now. I don't think he, I think he decommitted from them. Yeah. So he uh, hasn't committed anywhere, so does, it makes sense that he didn't sign, but um, that none of them signed today, um, and I don't know if Alexander not signing is because of something with Michigan or so, because of something with this school, um, but either way, I, I think the chances that he ends up in the class are lowered, 
um, just, you know, 99% of prospects, if they're committed, sign in the early signing period. Now, he still has two days to do it on Thursday and Friday before the window closes until February, um, but I haven't heard any news that he's planning to do it on then. Um, so it's kind of unexpected here, um, kind of a strange development that no one really saw coming, but uh, we'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out here and what goes on and if it'll harm Michigan with Belleville uh, going forward or not. Because, you know, they have some more prospects up and coming, most notably Bryce Underwood, who's a uh, freshman quarterback who looks to be like the next big thing after Dante Moore and then CJ Carr in the, the next two classes. Yeah, I, I just can't wrap my head around this one. I, I have no idea exactly what's going on. would be very strange to see him not be in the class. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think the chances of him signing uh, to Michigan at this point are certainly lowered. Um, I, I see a tweet from Ashawn Larkins, uh, who is the uh, director of recruiting for Michigan, uh, had tweeted out like a like a graphic kind of thing of all of the players who had signed with Michigan today. And um, you would imagine that they probably wouldn't release that unless they uh, you know have the information that uh, another prospect or two were going to end up signing on Thursday or Friday. I don't think he would release this today if that were the case. So Aaron Alexander is not in this little graphic thing that uh, that the University of Michigan had whipped up. So I think the chances of him signing during this early signing period are incredibly low. And yeah, I, I, I would definitely say that the chances of him signing with Michigan in February are are also pretty low. Um, I, I, this one is certainly concerning for me. Um, I mean, when it comes to the prospect himself, I, I thought he showed up very well in the camp settings. I haven't seen a ton of other film on him to suggest otherwise. I, I think he's got, he certainly has the sideline to sideline speed, but uh, as far as the linebackers go in this class, uh, obviously they signed Deuce Spurlock, who is um, in my opinion, kind of a pretty similar linebacker to Aaron Alexander. And then uh, Jimmy Rolder as well. Uh, the four star from Chicago I think they're pretty set at linebacker. So I don't think this is a giant loss. And I, I don't want to like rag on the kid by any means, but I, I think if Michigan doesn't end up getting Aaron Alexander in their class, I don't think this is going to be like what losing Cavante Henry would be, John. What would you say about that? Yeah, it's definitely less of a loss. You know, we have other, there's two other solid linebackers in the class. And then you have uh, Keon Sab, who may end up growing into a linebacker and Alex Orjai, who may uh, switch sides of the ball. Quarterback doesn't work out and could play linebacker. So you even have those guys that could move to the position in the future. Um, and it's not like a huge need uh, right now for the class. So uh, it wouldn't be too bummed about it. Um, the, you know, the bigger thing I think is Michigan standing with the, you know, Detroit uh, high schools and stuff and how that's always kind of an uphill battle. Um, so that, I think that would be more of the concern about losing Alexander than the actual on yeah. the field play. Yeah, no, agreed for sure. You certainly don't want to ruin any relationships with any of the high school coaches in the Metro Detroit area. Um, I mean, Belleville, it's kind of already 
not the greatest, but yeah, you wouldn't want to, uh, to worsen any relationships with, um, with any of the other program, like you had mentioned with uh, Dante Moore as well. Um, a- any of those schools, really, it would be huge. Um, yeah, I think that's really about it, John. I mean, there's, there's been a lot that's been going on today. Um, lots to continue with uh, the February signing period. So um, any other final thoughts that you have about today recruiting in general? Um, It's been an absolutely wild day. So I'll I'll let you uh, take the floor here. If you have any other final thoughts. Uh, No, not really about today. I would just say to look out uh, Michigan still going after Josh Connolly, who's going to sign in the February period. Um, So that's the one big fish. Uh, Michigan has left out there and I'm sure they'll be looking for some edge prospects you know going through the guys that haven't signed yet and uh, maybe trying to see if they can pick up a late riser or a guy who didn't sign with his original school for whatever reason so I think those would be the two main points of focus until February are there any other guys that they could poach from Clemson or Oklahoma or anybody and actually I was sorting through the top edge guys and it looked like uh, some guys from Oregon or that were crystal ball to Oregon, but didn't sign are, you know, the most likely, I guess, Cyrus Moss, who plays for Bishop Gorman in Nevada. He's like oh, a yeah. top player, had a hundred percent crystal balls to Oregon, but hasn't committed yet. And then scrolling down uh, a Marion Winston, who's from Portland, Oregon, um, who's like a high three-star guy who had a hundred percent crystal balls too, but didn't sign. Mm-hmm. So maybe that uncertainty there, although uh, I would certainly expect Dan Lanning to do a good job getting defensive guys being like a defensive coordinator himself. So we'll see how it goes. Maybe Michigan could pull the ultimate coup and steal Omari Abor, who was predicted <laughs> to go to Ohio State. Kind of. Yeah. That would um, be nice, but I that would be something. Yeah, pr- probably not super likely, but uh, hey, recruiting, you never know when it comes to recruiting. Recruiting is one of those things that it's just ever-changing, and it's, you can, you know, really, you should expect the unexpected when it comes to recruiting. So many things have happened. I mean, look at what Jackson State did uh, today yeah. with um, the five-star cornerback. Uh, uh, oh, Hunter. Yes, Hunter. Yes. I, I mean, I, I just could not believe that they actually got that flip. That was just wild. Um, so again, yeah, expect the unexpected when it comes to recruiting, you never know what's going to happen. So fingers crossed for more good news in February. Um, yeah, I think that's going to do it. Honestly, uh, there's, there's a lot more to do. So stick, stick with mazebrew.com as uh, more recruiting ends up happening. And uh, I'm sure the 2023 class will Kicking a high gear here very soon, and uh, we'll certainly bring all of y'all the latest there as well. Uh, but until then, you can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. John, where are you at, my friend? At Simmons underscore John. And follow Maze and Brew on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Our YouTube channel, definitely growing that as well. So we appreciate your support there. Five-star reviews on all of our podcasts would be greatly appreciated. And uh, thank you so much for listening and sticking around on Future Brew today. We'll be back next week with more Michigan football recruiting. Until then, go Blue.